Great music from Enigma. Catch them in a, a venue near you in southeast Nebraska. Good morning, ladies and gentlemen. I'm Scott Colborn, and this is Exploring Unexplained Phenomena. And it's great to be with you on this Thanksgiving weekend. I hope you had a great celebration. Uh, if you were with family and friends, traveled, uh, you stayed around Lincoln, uh, you spent time with folks that you really care about. Sometimes it's a little bit dicey because we, uh, we're around people that we don't normally associate with, and sometimes it can be a little tense. So I hope that uh, it was a smooth and indeed uh, a wonderful experience for you and yours. We had a great time. We, uh, the Colborne clan and, and Jim, his son Alex and Colleen and her sister Amber and some friends, we went to Wilderness Ridge and we hung out there and ate food until we couldn't eat anymore. <laughs> yeah, that's about the size of it. <laughs> yeah, uh, my goodness. So Great food, good company, and no tension. Thanks for inviting us, Scott. Uh, Jim, thanks so much for you and Alex being a part of it, too. It was, it was great. And we were just comparing notes saying, yeah, we didn't really eat until the next day. <laughs> <laughs> the next evening, in my case. <laughs> so, hey, we've got a great show for you. We're going to start things off with Charlene and Pet Talk. And she should be right there. Hi, Charlene. Good morning. How are you? I'm doing very well, thank you. Are there special hours this weekend? Uh, we are open regular hours, so we'll be open from 11.30 to 5.30 today. Okay, and... Oh, uh, I, I misspoke. It's 11 to 5.30. <laughs> okay, 11 to 5.30. We've got the uh, holiday run coming up. Tell us about that. That's a great activity. If you enjoy being outdoors, it's going to be Sunday, December 2nd, and you can go to our website at capitalhumanesociety.org to learn more and to register. And a dine-in fundraiser. Yeah, so that's another great way to help us is you can choose to go out to eat. <laughs> so uh, you can find information on our website at capitalhumanesociety.org, but this is something that um, Don and Millie's is doing December 5th, um, and it'll be from 4 to 9, and you just need to mention Capital Humane Society, and 20% will be donated. Gosh, I remember Don and Millie's from way back. That was always some good food. Okay, and finally, we've got to help decorate our tree. So we do have some really cute ornaments that our volunteers decorated, and you can buy one for our Christmas tree for $10 and hang it on the tree in honor um, of cool. a beloved pet or person. What a great idea. It is. This is Charlene with the Capital Humane Society. We're looking at the website, capitalhumanesociety.org, and we're going to start off with cats for adoption today. So ready, set, go. We are going to start with Dudley. And Dudley is a very handsome green-eyed kitty cat. He's three years old, short hair, very beautiful uh, tabby markings over white, <laughs> uh, a big boy, almost 15 pounds, so ready to just snuggle and be your best little buddy. Wow, look at him standing proud. Uh -huh. Yeah. <laughs> that, that, that white on the chest and, and uh, stripe down the belly is really striking. Yeah, it's like he's got mm -hmm. a, like a vest on or yeah. like an ascot. Yeah, something like uh -huh. that. <laughs> a dignified fellow. Okay, um, you can do right with Dudley. 
CapitalHumaneSociety.org, great picture of Dudley there. And who's our next cat? Lopper. And Lopper is a year-old, a spade female, domestic short hair, has pretty markings. They're uh, kind of tortoise shell, but also yeah. tabby swirls in there. Uh, she's got long white whiskers and a very curious look on her face. She wants to find a warm and fabulous new home. And it almost looks like her head can turn 360 degrees. Uh-huh. <laughs> Beautiful. Cool. It, would yes. would that be a tortoise a color? How, how would I you? Think, you know, yeah, so it's orange and black like a tortoise shell, but then I'm seeing swirls like a tabby. So she's got a lot of interesting yeah. patterns. Uh, beautiful cat. Take a look at Lopper at Capital Humane Society. We've got Cindy, excuse me, we've got Dudley, Lopper, <laughs> and... Next up is Rocker. And Rocker is a beautiful um, ragdoll cat. So we see different breeds here, a lot of domestic short hairs, domestic medium hairs, but Rocker is a ragdoll, um, eight years old, a neutered male, really beautiful, ready to find a home with people who will properly care for him and give him, give him loving care. Yeah, there's a cat in there someplace. I see this, this uh-huh. sort of ball of fur there and this little nose peeking out. But yeah, a ball of fur with some ears on it. Beautiful markings on Rocker's yeah. face. Uh, what a great-looking cat. Okay, two cats are better than one. We've got Dudley, Lopper, and Rocker. Check them out today and tomorrow. Here's Charlene with Hours Open. We will be open on Saturday and Sunday from 11 to 530. Uh, Charlene, there was also a story this week that was posted on Facebook that I wanted to ask you about uh, to see if you have any knowledge there. Somebody took a picture of a dog that was chained to a telephone pole um, in West Lincoln behind a, a bar or nightclub out there and claimed the dog had been there for at least since midnight the night before. Uh, do you know anything about that? I am not familiar with that case, but that's something you definitely want to call animal control about. Um, even, you know, at all hours, they will have officers on call who can look into what's going on there. Yeah, I, the, the person that posted that said that somebody had called <clears throat> animal control. Uh, but, uh, you know, folks, we just we don't want to do stuff like that. I think most of you have got enough reason that that you understand that, you know, you don't take your pet someplace, and maybe I'm making a big jump here, Jim, but you don't say, like, I'm going to go hang out at the bar, and so I'm going to chain my dog to a telephone pole while I go into a bar. Mm -hmm. All kinds of things could happen to the the animal there. Yeah, Yeah. just don't don't do that. Yeah, that's a no-no. Speaking of great dogs for adoption, we've got some dogs from the Capital Humane Society, and here we go with Charlene. We'll start with Beans, and Beans is a cutie. He's four months old, a pit bull Great Dane puppy. <laughs> Just uh, He's smaller now. I, I guess he's uh, weighing in the 30-pound the range, but he's going to be a big dog. So if you adopt Beans, please be ready to provide care for a large breed. He'll need plenty of exercise, lots of food, training, um, but he is adorable, very, very nice, and ready to be adopted. Great-looking dog, Beans. His picture is up there and a description about, uh, about him, CapitalHumaneSociety.org. Beans is joined by... Leo. And Leo is gorgeous with his blue eyes. He's a Siberian husky mix, a neutered mm-hmm. male, about a year old, 
tons and tons of energy, and he has that husky personality, which can be a little bit uh, independent, strong-willed, so he needs an experienced owner who will work with him and bring out the best in him. Great-looking dog. Um, Boy, if you have a white carpet, he's just going to disappear. Pure white, and uh, sure has a great, uh, good-looking grin on his face there looking at the camera. Take a look at Leo at CapitalHumaneSociety.org. And who's next? Depper. And he is a very handsome Labrador, six years old, a neutered male, has that distinguished little gray muzzle. <laughs> he always is looking at you. He wants very much to engage in the conversation and some playtime and just hang out with you. He's a, a fun-loving dog looking for a family that wants to have fun just like him. Okay, we've got three great dogs, Beans, Leo, and Depper. Their pictures, as well as some other cool dogs, are up at CapitalHumaneSociety.org. And better yet, go out and see them today and tomorrow. Here's hours open. We will be open at our Pylock Pet Adoption Center today and tomorrow from 11 to 5.30. Okay, and we have a winter storm uh, moving into the Lincoln, southeast Nebraska area tonight and tomorrow morning. So if you've got pets outside, even though it looks like really a mild, wonderful day today, uh, be prepared and take care of these pets. Right, Charlene? Absolutely. They want to be warm and comfortable just like us, and they can be in danger outside, uh, frostbite and worse. So um, please do be responsible and kind and let your animals in where they are warm and safe. If you have concerns also about a dog in your neighborhood that's not being cared for, please do call Animal Control. Absolutely. They will help. Okay, folks, uh, this has been Charlene with the Capital Humane Society. And what are you doing for the rest of the weekend, Charlene? I will be busy here today. We have got a lot going on. We expect to be, have a lot of visitors and activities, so I'll be working. And then tomorrow I'll, I'll uh, probably be shoveling. <laughs> yes, right. <laughs> da 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 Okay. <laughs> Charlene, thanks so much for all that you do. Thank you. You have a great day. Charlene and friends at the Capital Humane Society make them the first place you go when you want to adopt a dog or cat. I'm Scott Colborn, and uh, all those animals, you can see pictures at CapitalHumaneSociety.org. It's a really fun website to, uh, to bookmark. Pictures, the pictures are awesome. Their photography is top-notch. Mm-hmm. Uh, joining us now is my friend Paula Harris from Boulder, Colorado. Paula is normally on the second Saturday uh, of the month, but don't worry, we're not confused. We've just flipped this month with Rosemary and Guiley. So we've got Paula Harris from Boulder with UFOs, ETs, and exopolitics. Hi, Paula. How are you? I'm doing really well, Scott. How are you? Excellent. Happy Thanksgiving to you. Oh, happy Thanksgiving to you, too. It's a great holiday. <laughs> Yeah, we, I give thanks for my relationship, Paula, with you. Um, uh, if you would permit me, you're one of the grand dames of ufology. Uh, you've been around for um, a, a long time, first as an assistant to the late Dr. J. Allen Hynek. Uh, you've pioneered a lot of subjects. I, I really appreciate you, Paula, with your boots-on-the-ground approach to, uh, to research, and thank you for all that you do. 
Well, thank you. The boots are still hopping around. I have a lot of <laughs> cases to work on this year. I'm doing a lot of traveling, uh, especially in Latin America. And I just want to know the truth. I want to know what's going on. Uh, and it's the only way that I could figure that out is by doing the research um, in person. I just can't, like, go on Internet and get all my answers. Mm-hmm. Uh, people around the world, if we, if we listen to their stories, they talk about interaction with a phenomenon that appears to almost be employing magic. It's just outside of their, their everyday realm. It uh, sometimes, without notice, intrudes in their lives. And I see that, that we have reports from around the world that really that are, are, are different. For example... Um, we're still caught up in the U.S. with abductions and little gray aliens, but that isn't the the norm in other parts of the world. No, uh, I think that is a manufacture of the managers of ufology to stay there because that's very fear-based. But around the world, people are getting downloads of messages, especially ecological messages about the planet and about how we have to wake up to our consciousness and take care of planet Earth. Because whoever's visiting is looking at what we're doing to this gorgeous planet, and they're saying, you know, you people, do you want to live there or not? You know, the words, take care of your, of your planet. And these messages come from Latin America. Um, so, I mean, most of those messages are coming from Latin America. You were at my conference in Laughlin this year, Scott, and we had a guest, I don't know if you met him, Tony, uh, who is a contactee who's taken incredible pictures of UFOs from the UK. And uh, the, mis- uh, the magic part that you're talking about uh, around Tony was amazing. Grant Cameron uh, is doing his story because Grant Cameron does contactee stories. But when Tony came to Laughlin, from the UK, he was looking for verification that, you know, that's what he should do. And his whole life had weird stuff going on, like feathers, you know, feathers falling from the sky. He asked his wife if he should go. His wife goes to work, opens a drawer, and it's filled with feathers. And these, you say, what do feathers have to do with this? Well, on some level, on some dimensionality level, um, the feathers were the verification that he was supposed to do what he was supposed to do. So we're even at Laughlin, and Desta, who works with Grant Cameron, is outside, and a feather falls from the sky on her foot. I'm uh, talking to Tony, and I don't realize I have a white T-shirt with a feather on it. Hmm. <laughs> like, and we're looking at him, and he's looking at us going, okay, well, in your particular case, your verification is, that in your reality, you're going to see feathers everywhere. Yeah, the presentation uh, at your event, the Starworks USA UFO Symposium in November, uh, uh, was it the first through the third? Gosh, it seems like so long ago now, Paula. Grant Cameron did yeah. one of the keynote addresses there, and uh, he talked about being a nuts and bolts researcher and then receiving a 
uh, the term that he used is download, and yeah. uh, it changed the, his whole course, his whole approach. Yes, <laughs> he did, because he's advanced enough to go in that direction, and uh, and he changed his con- the way he was looking at stuff, uh, the way he was looking at the world uh, that was very, you know, nuts and bolts, and you know our science can't explain this stuff, so I don't know what, what nuts and bolts means. Uh, these things do happen, and we don't have the science to explain it. Uh, but he then he started looking into the stories of people who had contact, and he, it was much more rewarding to get to the answers of things because he was starting to listen to the witnesses. And uh, that's where he's at today, and... It's so much more rewarding because it's it gets to the real uh, uh, dimensional problem with this phenomenon. This phenomenon is you use the word magic, which is a really good word, but it's it, this phenomenon is very dimensional. It's in other words, it doesn't just happen here. It's in your uh, it's in, it, it, things that happen with the synchronicities and the weirdness uh, and the dimensionality of it, you know, that you could call paranormal, is very much the glue. I call it the glue that puts this all together. Mm -hmm. If you don't look at that, you don't get the whole picture. I mean, a piece of metal is not the whole picture. So Grant has already gone there, uh, and he and the other person that's gone there uh, is... uh, Colin Andrews. Colin Andrews wrote a book called The Edge of Reality, mm-hmm. and he and his wife wrote about consciousness. It's an amazing book. And uh, I've talked to Colin Andrews about it. He's a crop circle researcher. This is a conclusion he, too, has come to. So I love it because these people have turned the corner of research and are looking at different angles. Mm-hmm. The, the way that, that the phenomena and humanity's interaction with it, the way that it's interpreted by the individual is based upon, to a great degree, their belief system. And one of the things that I really valued from Grant's presentation, Paula, and that kind of brings us around a full circle to what we're talking about today, is that uh, he contrasted the reports from Skinwalker Ranch with reports of your colleague and friend Ricardo Gonzalez. And he said, how could these people be experiencing the same phenomena? You know, we've got a group of people at the Skinwalker Ranch that are under the employ of Robert Bigelow. They're uh, uh, ex-Special Forces. Uh, They are uh, uh, carrying weapons of all kinds. They are loaded down for bear. They anticipate and they are ready for a big fight. So what do they experience? They experience a phenomena that almost rises to meet them at that level. Um, You don't see any of that with the reports from uh, Ricardo Gonzalez. Uh, You spent lots of time with this gentleman. You don't see any of that there. 
No, uh, because, well, first of all, it's Latin America, so you have to see the, the people that, that Ricardo, the, the ETs that Ricardo deals with, come from the uh, town, you know, the mountain of Huascaran. They have a base there, and they've been dealing with the peasants in, in Ancash and, and all those places for a long time. The peasants don't know they're ETs. They just see, think they're tall men. Tall men and women—they don't know they're—they come from a, a base in the mountain, and that they come from another planet. They don't understand that. They're not sophisticated enough. So Ricardo is his contacts are with that particular group of time travelers. What what the craziness is is we got a problem with time. I mean, we got a problem with time and and the fact that time is not linear. So what what we're missing, Scott. What we really are missing is uh, a group of people that are intelligent enough to have a think tank to talk about the problems with time, the problems with quantum mechanics, uh, the, uh, the, the new kinds of science that we should be discussing that would explain this. We're getting the, um, the residuals of, of the phenomenon, but we don't discuss uh, how that could possibly be. How could, they, how could this happen? How could we have... Uh, time travelers? How can we have people that can predict the future? How can we have psychics? How can we have uh, ESP? How come the government paid all that money in the 1970s for psychic spying if ESP doesn't exist? How could Uri Geller do the things he did? I mean, my God, if we had a group of people who were on the same wavelength and were intellectual enough to sit down and figure this out, we would have some really great things going on, except everybody's in his own little world, doing his own little book, his own little talk, and we can't get together and discuss with uh, people that really have done the research uh, what's going on. And, it, and, and I loved, Grant is here in Boulder. Uh, he, we had dinner yesterday. It was the most interesting conversation I've ever had, but it's <laughs> wonderful being able to talk to somebody who did the research so we could yeah. exchange ideas. Yeah, I know just exactly the the conversation that you guys would have had. That that is uh, to see you and Grant together. I would have loved to have been a fly on the wall to, to have heard that. <laughs> I Paula, know, and all we need was Colin Andrews and to eat, for him to talk about the crop circles, what happened, how they were made, and then yeah. we would get together and we had a few more people. And my God, that is my dream, Scott, to have a, a dialogue with people that are not interested in their own little research only and they're in the commercial part of ufology, but, you know, tried to figure out what's going on, which is it's so exciting. And we are very grateful to have you with us every year. Uh, and uh, thank you for talking about these things because it's very important. Now, your, your quote that you just uh, said moments ago here on the show, you also said this at the, uh, the Starworks Symposium, and that was that the paranormal is the glue that holds all this together. And if we don't look beyond um, strict ufology and those strict uh, old paradigm guidelines, we're not going to make any progress. So I want to congratulate you, um, especially on this next symposium coming up in November of 2019, because um, you're, you're, you're approaching this, you're tackling this. You're saying, look, this is ufology, but we need to bring in people that are experts in ESP, in psychic phenomena, and uh, so... Tell us in, in about 60 seconds, tell us a little bit about that event next year. 
Well, I, I, I have two events in mind. Next year is remote viewing. The year after 2020 is artificial intelligence. Um, I, next year, remote viewing, I have Russell Targ, who worked with Yuri Geller and Hal Putoff at the Stanford Research Institute, and his movie that we're going to screen is called Psychic Spies. And I have Nick Pope, who talks about the psychic program in the U.K., and I have uh, my boss from Italy, Maurizio Bayada, who will discuss what was going on in Europe with psychic research. And, of course, the most important is behind the Iron Curtain, behind the Iron Curtain in Russia. All these experiments were going on because they figured out uh, that these things are real. And you may not explain them scientifically, but they are real. So next year's uh, symposium, which is from the 2nd to the 4th of November, it's always in November, is going to have UFOs, yes, UFOs, but it's called Visions of the Future. And we're going to talk about... Uh, we have experts in EST, Angela Smith, who did psychic research for the government. Uh, so we're going to talk about this because it's interesting and people are interested. Okay, there's more information at StarWorksUSA.com. Paula Harris, thank you so much for being with us this morning. And uh, even though it's past, happy Thanksgiving to you. Oh, well, thank you, Scott, and good luck to you and all the people that you work with. Paula Harris from Boulder, Colorado. Her website is P-A-O-L-A, that's Paula Harris, H-A-R-R-I-S dot com. And the one for the uh, interesting Starworks USA UFO Symposium, that's simply starworksusa.com. We're going to take a bottom of the hour break. We'll be back with our main guests. And boy, what a show here. We've got Trish and Rob McGregor Secrets of Spirit Communication Techniques for Tuning In and Making Contact. We'll be right back after this. Hey, the Voice of the Blues in Lincoln, Nebraska, KZUM Lincoln and KZUM HD. Support for KZUM comes from the Nebraska Recycling Council, helping to protect the natural environment and extend the life of our landfill, reminding Lincoln and Lancaster County that corrugated cardboard will not be accepted at the landfill. For more on recycling services and area drop-off sites, nrcne.org or 402-436-2384. My name is Manny Morales. I'm 45 and I coach youth football. It's still hard to believe because the high school me was a work in progress. But big brothers, big sisters give me a real role model. And the young me needed a role model bad. My bigger brother's name is Ray. And Ray is the reason that this seven-year-old grows up to be a role model himself. Whether you donate money or time, you're helping big brothers, big sisters help a child. Start something today at bigbrothersbigsisters.org. Brought to you by Big Brothers Big Sisters and the Ad Council. This program is made possible in part by a grant from the Corporation for Public Broadcasting. The full moon lights the silver rails winding around dark mountains and over steep gorges of jagged rock in one freezing cold rushing black mountain river. I wish there was enough time to describe all of the funny twists and turns that led up to now, but there isn't enough time because there's a ticking clock and the two passengers we care most about don't know anything about it. To see what happens next, visit read.gov to read The Exquisite Corpse, a riveting adventure pieced together by John Sheska, Shannon Hale, Daniel Handler, and other popular authors. Explore new worlds. Read. Brought to you by the Library of Congress and the Ad Council. 
Far from the din of commercial culture and just this side of the abstract is a place I call Mesoterra. I'm Vic Valverde, your tour guide for an eclectic musical excursion on a program called Mesoterra. Saturdays, 12 noon until 1.30, right here on KZUM. I'm Scott Colborn, and you're listening to Exploring Unexplained Phenomena. It's really great to have you with us on this Thanksgiving weekend, and thank you so much for being out there and for your support in all ways. Rob and Trish McGregor were on the program on March 10th of this year, and we talked about um, uh, secrets of synchronicity, uh, the synchronicity highway, and Synchronicity and the Other Side, two of the books they've written on the subject of synchronicity, and really enjoy that conversation with Rob and Trish McGregor. Well, they're back. They have a brand new book out that is called Secrets of Spirit Communication, Techniques for Tuning In and Making Contact. And the uh, book is phenomenal. It is a uh, wealth of resources and it takes the reader into another of er- another, a number of areas that you can uh, explore through your interaction with the book and your own personal experience. Um, I think also the book helps to demystify some of this area because we think of spirit communication and some of us think of Ouija boards and seances and people with scars wrapped around their head and, you know, a crystal ball. And, and uh, it's actually a subject that, that each one of us, I would argue, would probably interact with at some point during our lives. Uh, Trish McGregor is the author of dozens of novels and nonfiction books. She co-authored with her husband, Rob, the Sidney Omar series of astrology books. She teaches astrology in Tarot. And Rob McGregor is a freelance writer. He's published dozens of novels and nonfiction books. And uh, we have a connection with Rob because he actually wrote some of the, uh, the Indiana Jones novels that the late and great Martin Caden also worked on. So I was really pleased to hear about that synchronicity with with Rob. Uh, Please welcome Trish and Rob McGregor to the program. How are you, Scott? Happy Thanksgiving. Hi, Scott. Thank you to you both. Doing really well here. I had... uh, Is it cold? Not not today. This is a really mild, probably 50s day in Lincoln, and then tonight it starts to rain, then it turns to snow, and then we could have anywhere from three to eight inches on the ground tomorrow morning. 
<laughs> and strong. Well, that's not going to happen in Florida. <laughs> yeah. Did you did you folks have a good Thanksgiving? We did. It was very enjoyable. Had our daughter here. And five dogs. <laughs> now, how many of those dogs do you own? Uh, two. So she brought three, uh, huh? She, yeah. <laughs> she has one, and then she was taking care of uh, two other dogs. That's a lot of dogs. You've got a daughter who's a dog whisperer, huh? Pretty much. She's also just finishing up her first novel. I was just going to say, what what does your daughter think of mom and dad and and your work? (laughs) Hmm, Good question. Um, I think she's been influenced by it. She's very aware Mm -hmm. of synchronicity. Um, She's certainly aware of spirit contact. Now, it wears off. Mm-hmm. But the the the, uh, the alien stuff kind of freaks her out. Yeah, uh, we had her watching uh, the X Files when she was about six years old, and <laughs> fall asleep at night watching the X Files and have uh, some strange dreams. Sometimes she still rem- reminds us of that stuff. Mm-hmm. I I uh, raised my kids in a similar way that uh, I owned a, a metaphysical bookstore, and so. Oh boy! <laughs> My kids were around these topics, you know, every single day, <clears throat> and I, I like to think that in some way there has been a positive aspect of that that they will always remember, and at least uh, be able to quite literally open that door uh, when and if they want to. Uh, my, yeah, my, I mean, I, I, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, please go ahead, Trish. No, I was just going to say that it does open them to all the possibilities, I think. Mm-hmm. And uh, with Megan, it just it doesn't limit her as well. Uh, one particular belief system, she's, she's open to uh, different possibilities, so, which is good. Mm-hmm. My, my ex-father-in-law had a great quote. He said that anything that you do well uh, changes you. And in preparation for writing this book, uh, did you, Rob, and Trish go through any changes? Yeah, I think we, we both started having more spirit contact, for mm-hmm. one thing, and also more synchronicities just in general. Yeah, every time we start researching a subject, the, the issues, the matters we're working on seem to be drawn to us. Uh, the research sometimes just falls in our laps. I mean, uh, sometimes, and uh, that happened also when I was a journalist before I uh, got into freelance writing and uh, authoring uh, books, novels, and nonfiction, uh, that I would be searching uh, out sources for a story, and I'd be talking to somebody who had nothing to do with it, and they would give me a lead. These kind of synchronicities uh, happen, I think, when you focus uh, and and you're aware and open to the subject as well. Mm-hmm. The matter. Uh, the the cover has this interesting texture on your book that makes you want to hold it and touch it. Uh, and Ooh, uh, nice. Jim, if you'll show me the cover of the book you're holding there, uh, there is a gorgeous picture of two cardinals on a branch. Beautiful picture that are um, kind of looking at each other. Uh, and it's very meaningful mm-hmm. for me to see these cardinals 
because this is one of the forms of communication that our loved ones on the other side can have with us. And, and looking at the coloring, I would say that there are male and female cardinals as well. Robin. Yeah, I think that, I mean, Llewellyn designed the cover, and it was based on one of the stories in the book where this woman, you know, had her parents had both died, and she kept seeing cardinals everywhere. Not just the birds, but images of cardinals mm-hmm. on record covers or books or wherever. And so I think cardinals are pretty common in spirit contact. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and her father, uh, he had loved to watch, while he was ill, uh, lying in bed, he would look out the window and uh, bird feeder and watch cardinals, and he was fascinated by cardinals. He had uh, glass art with cardinals in his room, and uh, and after he died, these cardinals appeared repeatedly to Sharon, his daughter, and uh, she would open a magazine, and there would uh, uh, be a cardinal. And uh, the Christmas after his death, she received uh, numerous Christ, uh, Christmas cards at the office where she worked uh, from business associates that featured cardinals, and uh, there were so many that she just baffled by it. And uh, uh, she started doing some research to find out if this just happened to be a year where uh, card companies <laughs> were making more <laughs> the case at all. And then she uh, found a, a, a CD by Hart in a bin uh, because she heard um, a Hart song playing in this record store, and uh, it was an old song, and she was kind of surprised. And then she saw this bin of old uh, albums and pulled out, or uh, CDs, I guess, she pulled out this CD and <clears throat> mentioned it to the guy at the, the counter, and he said, yeah, uh, the boss isn't here, so I can play my own music. <laughs> wow. Son, and and then, she, then she went home, and she looked at the uh, cover more closely, and got a, uh, it was a, it's a kind of a folk painting, and it showed a red-haired woman opening a sweater to show a birdcage containing a cardinal. Oh, interesting. Mm-hmm. My uh, my cardinal story and the reason why this cover is so meaningful, uh, Trish and Rob, to me is that when my mother Gentry Colborn uh, passed on March fourth, uh, two thousand fourteen, um, we had um, oh four maybe four days five days later we had her uh, memorial service, and uh, because she was going to be interred in Superior, Nebraska, which is a couple hours' drive from here, kind of south-central Nebraska, Uh, we had uh, two services that day, one in Lincoln, and then uh, we drove down to Superior for her internment and had a graveside service there. So we've done the, the Lincoln memorial service, and I stopped by her house um, for some reason, I don't remember now, and I was walking into the backyard and a uh, cardinal swooped down and landed in the redbud tree. And so I stood and watched the cardinal and the cardinal uh, appeared to be interested in what I was doing there. And we sort of communed for four or five minutes just standing silently. Mm. And then the cardinal... Um, kind of reversed course and flew back towards me and then away from me. Uh, and I, I recognized that there was a synchronicity happening with the cardinal, uh, with the 
redbud tree in the back of mom's yard and and uh mm. and her passing here yeah that's a good story yeah i mean that that's how it happens so frequently i mean one day i was going through some old photos family photos of when we lived in venezuela and i was writing to my sister saying you know do you want any of these photos and all of a sudden these two hummingbirds appear outside my window and we rarely see hummingbirds here they just kind of hovered for a while and then left and i thought oh okay <laughs> mom and dad just stopped by interesting my mother had some experiences uh related to my uh, my father's spirit after uh he, he had died uh, and they they were uh different types of experiences that uh, show some different ways that uh, spirits make contact one it was uh <clears throat> She lived in Minneapolis. She, she passed herself uh, in 2017, in June. Yeah, and right. um, he um, was sitting in this chair in the den where my father used to sit and uh, read uh, read books. And she looked out, and it was winter, and there was frost on the window. And she saw these initials in the frost, Mac. And that was his nickname. <laughs> wow. <laughs> that really startled her. And then another time she was doing laundry in the basement and she looked up across the basement and there was this ball of light, this globe of light uh, moving slowly towards her and then it vanished and she just knew that was uh, a spirit light uh, representing him. Mm-hmm. And and then she had a, an, another experience that was an actual physical experience, a kind of unusual one. She was sitting in that chair again in the den and she had been sleeping and she woke up and looked up, and there he was. Uh, she, she says, I was, he was awake, and he was standing right in the doorway of the den, and uh, what she noticed about him is he had this uh, kind of wild patterned orange <laughs> and she said to him, where did you get that shirt? <laughs> he <laughs> smiled and... <laughs> this is Robin... This is Rob and Trish McGregor, and they are the author of many, many books. We're talking about their latest book, Secrets of Spirit Communication, Techniques for Tuning In and Making Contact. Uh, They've got a couple of excellent websites here. Um, Sino Secrets, that's S-Y-N-C-H, excuse me, Synchro Secrets, S-Y-N-C-H-R-O, and the whole word secrets.com. That's synchrosecrets.com. And another website that is blog.synchrosecrets.com. That's where we post most frequently. Mm-hmm. Yeah, our blog. Yeah. Uh, if you'll permit me to, I'd like to jump onto a soapbox and then ask you for your opinion here. Uh, one of the reasons okay. <laughs> why I, I value Trish and Rob, this book and your contribution to helping people understand the ways that our departed loved ones can, can reach out and contact us is because I see from being involved in this since 1974, I see that there's this slow creeping into the paranormal of the horror genre. And so we have people that are portraying the paranormal from the vantage point of horror. So now all of a sudden we're thinking about monsters and big sharp fangs and teeth 
and zombies coming out at night to eat people and all these weird fear-based things that, in my experience, really have nothing to do with our departed loved ones reaching out to contact us. We agree completely. I mean, that's one of the reasons we wrote this book, was to sort of demystify this whole thing. I mean, most of, a lot of people, when you talk about ghosts or spirits, they, they do think of horror. And they, they've said to us, why would anyone want to make contact with the dead, you know, as if it's really scary? Uh, and, and that's largely the effect of uh, entertainment and media with uh, promoting this, uh, you know, this entertaining is uh, concepts of uh, the dead being, you know, somebody rising from the grave, and they look terrible as if, you know, <laughs> falling apart and uh, uh, frightening and clothes and tatters, zombies and everything else, which is totally different from our experience. Uh, and uh, you had started out by saying kind of the other side of people who are kind of woo, you know, with uh, crystal balls and that uh, mediums and you know people who are very much into it, but this is that's the other side is the kind of dark side that's portrayed in the the everyday everyday medium. Mm-hmm. We kind of follow. <laughs> yeah, uh, the the uh, I, I can't mention the name of the business that I have um, on the air because of conflict of interest, but I I have the occasion to talk to uh, groups of people. And so I try to go through, and, and as your book has done, to try to help demystify this, and I call it Hollywood horror. You know, there's the mm-hmm. real paranormal, and then there's the Hollywood horror. Uh, right. And the real paranormal says that your uh, grandfather, who loved you very, very much, and uh, cared for you, when he passes, there's a variety of ways that he might make contact with you to let you know that he's okay that love is eternal, love knows no boundaries, and uh, that there is hope for all of us that consciousness survives physical death. Hollywood whore has your grandfather that used to love you so much now coming back as a zombie who lives underneath the bridge and he comes out at night to eat people. And when people hear that, they sort of grin and chuckle like, okay, yeah, I get that. but to finish my soapbox here, Trish and Rob, uh, I'm guessing that we're, we three are, are kind of in a similar age range. Uh, mm-hmm. a, a lot of us in our generation grew up with the Saturday night fright flicks, where we'd get together right. with friends, big bowls of popcorn, turn all the lights out, and there would be these scary movies that would come on. Um, sometimes... Frankenstein, vampires. Yeah, right. Yeah, and we would get together and and watch these fright flicks and get a little scared, but not too much because mom and dad were in the next room, (laughs) you know, so (laughs) aside and say, oh, it's only fiction, it's only entertainment. It's my belief that that starts to form a basis for how people perceive things through their repeated exposure to things like Mm -hmm. fright flicks. And so I've been asked to speak at horror cons, these conferences where they want to have a paranormal speaker, and I've politely mm-hmm. refused because I don't yeah. see that there mm-hmm. is a, a valid, legitimate connection. I don't want to be a part of something that portrays 
the paranormal as Hollywood horror. Okay, yeah, that's that's smart. Yeah, I have a comment about this. Uh, if you you've probably had uh, people who are ghost hunters on your show over time, and uh, ghost, uh, speaking with ghost hunters, people they're going into haunted houses or graveyards and uh, uh, trying to usually using electronic equipment, trying to justify the existence of the other side or existence of ghosts. And oftentimes what they're contacting are these uh, that are not actual entities, but are kind of like residual loops (laughs) and that just making the same repeated patterns that happen for some reason in their life, uh, walking down this hallway or whatever, and uh, but that so there's a difference between spirits and ghosts, and then there's another level too, and that what I've heard is that very rarely, very rarely do these ghost hunters and contact contact beings that are actually dangerous and uh, frightening, and these are non-human entities that come into our awareness. And, but that's very rare that they, they make that kind of a contact. Most of our, these, uh, these this energy, residual energy, that is totally unaware of, of, the other pe- of the people that are there looking for them. We had, Scott, one experience that was scary. This happened a number of years ago. Our daughter was about a year old. We were staying in Hotel Casa Dega, which is a spiritualist community. Mm-hmm. And it was biking weekend in Daytona, so the hotel was completely empty because everybody had gone to Daytona. It was about 11.30 at night, and we had an upstairs suite. And our daughter was asleep. Rob and I had been reading. And all of a sudden, we hear these boots just, oh, they were just stomping on the stairs, coming up the stairs. And Like they weighed 50 pounds apiece. Right. Mm-hmm. And it, I thought, well, okay, Rob and I looked at each other and said, we thought the hotel was empty. Well, then these, this stomping boot stuff keeps coming down the hall towards our room. Getting louder. And the energy, the, yeah, and the energy was was not good. Yeah, it was very negative. Yeah, you could feel it. There was no way that I was going to open that doorway to see what was standing outside of our door. I mean, it, it was just, uh, I mean, the only other person in the in the whole hotel was the guy who was working downstairs who you know was going to go to sleep and it was one probably sleeping it was after one o'clock you know would he put on these boots and uh you know if that had been the case i think i would have opened it and said boo to him but <laughs> something different and this, we were scared i mean we pushed the dresser in yeah. front of the door like that was going to do anything <laughs> so that was our one single experience uh of all of our uh uh spirit contact experiences that was uh, something negative like that. Mm-hmm. In fact, whatever it was rattled the doorknob. Yeah. And at that point, I was looking around for a window to climb out of with our daughter. <laughs> That's how freaky it was. And then it just clumped on down the hall, and that was it. Yeah. And so those are, you know, entertaining stories. I mean, this actually happened to us, but that seems to be what the Hollywood horror captures on, that, that kind of thing, which are in reality very uh, rare, <laughs> very rare. And what we're writing about basically is contact, making contact with deceased loved ones uh, who have moved on, and they they come back and and contact 
uh, make, uh, try to make contact with us, and usually the reason is they want to say that they're okay, it's, uh, it's all right, don't uh, stop uh, crying, stop uh, uh, being sad, We're, I'm okay. Uh, and they sometimes they might have something that they left unfinished that they're trying to get taken care of, like in that, that movie Ghost, which was a very positive Hollywood movie. <clears throat> fact, um, Demi Moore. Uh, and, and also, I think that movie was pretty accurate. Yeah, and then they, they come also to uh, maybe just give us general awareness that life does continue on. But they don't usually come with a lot of uh, details about what it's like, though, which is interesting. Because I think that varies from uh, individual to individual, what they experience. Mm-hmm. This is Trish and Rob McGregor, and the latest book that they've written is our subject today. We're talking about Secrets of Spirit Communication. We'll be right back after this top-of-the-hour break. I'm Scott Colborn with Trish and Rob McGregor. Uh, Jim and Colleen here in the studio, and you guys and gals out there, we are exploring unexplained phenomena. Stay tuned. Voice of the Blues in Lincoln, Nebraska, KZUM Lincoln and KZUM HD. Support for KZUM comes from family-owned and operated Butheris Mason and Love Funeral Home at 40th and A Streets in Lincoln. Offering services that allow families to plan ahead according to personal wishes, chapel facilities to accommodate all faiths, and grief support materials for the family following a service. More information is available at 402-488-0934 and online at bmlfh.com. We think you may have a knack for charitable giving, giving, giving. When you support KZUM with your year-end gift now, you'll receive exclusive thank you items available only for donations coming in by December 31st. For $50, get a brand new pair of KZUM socks to keep those piggies warm this winter. These are quality socks. At $100, we'll also throw in a set of KZUM cookie cutters so you can get your bake on with your favorite radio station. Plus, all donors at $25 or more will be entered into a drawing for a very special 12-show pass to the Bourbon Theater. This is your last chance to support KZUM this year. Please make your gift now at kzum.org. Far from the din of commercial culture and just this side of the abstract is a place I call Mesoterra. I'm Vic Valverde, your tour guide for an eclectic musical excursion on a program called Mesoterra. Saturdays, 12 noon until 1.30, right here on KZUM. Scott Colborn with Exploring Unexplained Phenomena. Our special guests are Trish and Rob McGregor from Florida. We've talked about the difference in, in weather here at the start of the program. 
And uh, I'm so grateful for them taking time from their holiday weekend to be with us on the show here. They've written a book that is uh, an excellent book on demystifying how our loved ones can and do reach out to us and how, how we in turn can reach out to them. Secrets of Spirit Communication, Techniques for Tuning In and Making Contact. And Robin, Trish, do you want to, either one of you, kind of take a stab at, at a definition here? I, I hear people use the term ghost and spirit uh, interchangeably. Do you see a distinction in those two terms? Okay, if one of you, uh, uh, Colleen or Jim, can get them back here, we apparently lost their... So we will uh, hold that question. Hold, hold that thought. <laughs> and uh, we'll call Rob and Trish McGregor back. If you're listening, uh, we're going to call you right back here. This is uh, live radio. We wouldn't have it any other mm-hmm. way. And uh, Scott Colborn with Jim and Colleen. Rob and Trish McGregor, the authors of many, many books... They were with us um, March 10th of this year talking about the subject of synchronicity. So if you'd like to have uh, information about that, you can go to um, the archive website, which is KZOM. Um, let's see, what is it? KZOM.org yeah. slash EUP. And if you enter that, you'll go to the archive website, go down to March 10th, and there is the free archive with Rob and Trish talking about synchronicity. We'll be talking about that today quite a bit on the program and how that subject uh, and topic interacts with us and our departed loved ones. Well, what's, what's interesting, Scott, is during the previous segment, I was kind of skimming through the chapter on trickster spirits in uh, in the spirit communications book and uh, so here all of a sudden we lost our phone call yeah and we were just talking about the uh, the connection that they mm-hmm. had with a uh, negative experience with the footsteps coming up the hallway and then the door rattling and sure. things can one of you guys get that phone call coming in that may be that may be them Next week, we've got Nomar Slevic. Otherworldly Encounters, Evidence of UFO Sightings and Abductions. We've got December 8th, Dan Baldwin, Rhonda Hall, and Dwight Hall speaking with the spirits of the Old Southwest. Conversation with miners, outlaws, and pioneers who still roam ghost towns. Uh, Colleen, what do you have for us? Um, It's... um Ron and Ro- Trish. Robin Trish? Robin Trish, yeah. Okay, Robin Trish, are you there? We're here. <laughs> Jim, uh, do you want to repeat what you just said about tricksters? Well, I, I was, uh, <laughs> dur- during the previous segment, I was kind of skimming over the section in the book, the chapter on trickster spirits, and then all of a sudden we lose the phone call. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's the trickster spirit. <laughs> like, uh, <laughs> Wouldn't surprise me. Well, 10 seconds before that happened, I had this premonition that we're going to lose contact. Uh, what we do? And then it happened. Oh, wow, we're all connected. <laughs> yeah, and I, I found it interesting, speaking of trickster stuff, that we were just talking about your 
single negative experience with the loud footsteps and the door uh-huh. the door rattling. Uh, and so, yeah, we we occasionally interact with a trickster. I've always just called it the ghost of the, in the machine. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> now, speaking of, of these terms, uh, can you guys give us a definition? Do you think that there is a difference between the terms ghost and spirit? Yeah, I do. I mean, spirits are spirits are, are, are loved ones who have passed or friends who have passed, whereas a ghost, a lot of time, I think, are just energy loops. Right, and mm-hmm. one's a conscious being and one isn't. Uh, I think that's uh, the case where the, the spirits are uh, can be aware of us and try to contact us. And sometimes when we try to contact them, it's only because they they were trying to contact us and gave us the nudge to to pursue it. Uh, but uh, as you mentioned, trickster though I uh, I have a we have a Thanksgiving story in our book about uh, a trickster. Uh, there's a uh, friend of ours who has uh, been coming to our blog for years. Her name is Char- Charlie uh, with an S, and uh, she's uh, has mediumistic. Uh, abilities and she lives in a house that's haunted and so on this particular thanksgiving they were all uh together at the at the dinner table just uh about to start eating and uh somebody somebody said let's have a toast uh and they raised all their wine glasses up and she said if there are any spirits or ghosts present uh among us Show yourselves. Let us let us know that you're here with us. And at that moment, her wine glass just shattered, <laughs> uh, spilling wine all over the table. Uh, she was holding it in her stuff. in her hand at the time. Yes. Yeah. Wow. That's amazing. <laughs> I I well. don't know of any reason that would happen. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you know, we had we also had an experience um, in 2015. Or twenty, I think it was twenty fifteen or sixteen. Uh, Whitley Strieber's wife died. And, oh, God bless her! Yes, right. Yeah, and she was a sweetheart. And I was writing Whitley a condolence email, and I was about to say, you know, that if there's anything we can do. And on the word no, there was this tremendous explosion in our family room, and our offices are right off the family room. And I mean, it startled our dog off the couch. We both leaped to our feet, figuring. A, the TV had blown or something. And it sounded like a transformer mm-hmm. when it blows. It was right in the house. Yeah, right. Mm-hmm. And it was there was nothing. Everything was fine. So I, I finished my email to Whitley, and I said, uh, here's what happened as I was writing you. And he wrote back, and he says, that's Anne. She's stirring things up in the spirit world already. <laughs> and he later, I guess during meditation, connected with her, and she said she did it just kind of for fun, <laughs> you know, to make herself her present stone. Awareness. Right. So uh, our loved ones uh, can and do reach out to us. Sometimes it's to simply say that that they're okay. Uh, There are a number of takeaways that I get from this subject, Trish and Rob. Uh, Number one would be that maybe all of us deep down are really interested in whether or not consciousness survives physical death. Is there a part of each one of us uh, that 
does not die a physical death. And these reports would tend to to support that. Absolutely. And you know what's funny is skeptics are really quick to dismiss anecdotal evidence as evidence. But that's what it is. You know, whereas consensus science says we want you to deny your own experience, what we're saying in this book is embrace the experience because it's open to everybody. And we also provide uh, a series of steps for uh, uh, essentially the basics of spirit contact, how you can go about it yourself. And the, the very first step is recognition, uh, recognizing that contact is possible. If you're so uh, that you believe, oh, this is impossible, there, there is no spirit world, there, uh, you're dead, you're dead. Uh, so you're not going to get past that. You're not going to make that, even that first step, uh, you're not going to have any contact. And you could say, see, I proved it. Nothing happened. Uh, but you didn't take the first step of the recognition of the, the possibility. And then the second step is awareness, increasing your awareness just to the many ways that spirits um, contact. For instance, uh, synchronicity is uh, uh, a primary way that we write about how spirits make contact. For mm -hmm. example, box stops at the time of death of a loved one. That's spirit contact. Or a broken radio begins to play as you talk about a deceased one who owned that radio. And, uh, or, or you open a book and find a photo of a lost loved one just as you are thinking about the person or talking about the person. Those are contact, those are examples of spirit contact. And or objects that mysteriously disappear and appear yeah. in other locations. <laughs> that's, that's awareness. And then the, the third step is intention. Uh, you initiate the contact, you, you make a request, you repeat it live, maybe you type it out on your computer uh, asking for contact. And then you give it attention. The next step is attention. You give it attention. You add desire. Visualize the one who you want to see. Uh, add a fond memory of being with that person. Uh, just see that. <laughs> and then finally, interestingly, the last step is no tension. Just let it go. Uh, you've done what you needed to do, and just see what happens. Mm -hmm. uh, this is Robin Trish McGregor, the brand new book that we're talking about uh, with the gorgeous cover of the two cardinals there. Secrets of Spirit Communication, Techniques for Tuning In and Making Contact. Uh, in our earlier segment, my friend and colleague Paula Harris talked about the paranormal as being the glue that holds uh, everything together. And I, again, congratulate you both on this book because I am all in favor of people uh, opening up to a larger reality uh, and not uh, wishy-washy, airy-fairy, mamby-pamby, uh, concrete reality that is very much a part of each one of our lives, and yet consensually we typically limit what we see as being quote-unquote real, what we feel, what we hear, what we taste, touch, what we sense. So we can have these uh, sometimes momentary interludes where this greater reality comes into play and reminds us that there is a lot more going on 
to life and to death and to consciousness than what we've agreed upon. Can, can you tell the story of the arch skeptic Michael Shermer? <laughs> and as you do so, I want to congratulate Mr. Shermer, even though I do not agree with hardly anything that he says or writes about as a skeptic, I want to congratulate him on being open-minded enough to talk about this, his personal experience. Can you guys maybe shed some light on this? Yeah, Michael Shermer is the uh, founder of Skeptic Magazine. Right. And uh, he had an experience when he was uh, about to be married to a German woman at their wedding. Uh, it was a case where the uh, his wife-to-be had some of her belongings sent from Germany uh, to the house there. And one of the things in there was this broken old radio that her father had uh, owned. And she really missed him and missed her family. And she was in a new country and uh, getting married. And just before the wedding, that radio started playing a love song. <laughs> and so, and she said, "He's here. He's here." And here's, you know, she's talking to the art skeptic. And sorry, he wrote it. In, I think Scientific American. Yeah, I think it was. Uh, and in his column there, uh, and which was very interesting, and it t told the story. And after the wedding, it stopped playing and has never played since. So it's a great story. But unfortunately. Two years later, he's back to being the same old guy, no belief at all in the other side. Uh, so, you know, it had an effect for a short period of time. Mm -hmm. His former consciousness, his former, uh, you know, uh, personality, whatever, uh, you know, re reconnected with, with him, with his being, and, you know, he is now back to where he was before. Mm -hmm. Yeah, this is a little transistor radio that had belonged to her grandfather. And, it, you know, it had been broken for all these years. And then it, it's almost as if her grandfather reached out to Shermer and said, dude, I'm here. Yeah, that'll be something that, despite his public protestations about um, uh, negative and closed-minded views towards the paranormal... He's going to have to intellectually wrestle with that for the rest of his life, isn't he? He probably will. I mean, that's... But I give him credit for talking about the experience. Mm -hmm. yeah. Let me uh, give a quote here. This uh, where I found out that he is uh, now skept totally skeptical about the other side again is uh, in a, a book I read recently called Real Magic by Dean Radin, a parapsychologist. Mm -hmm. He says, a personal experience of psi or magic might cause one to question such beliefs. But as we've seen in the opening chapter, Michael Shermer's startling story softened his long-established position for only a little while. Then it hardened again. Personal experience is not likely to change a rigidly held position, especially if one has a reputation as a professional. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Trish and Rob, we go back to the uh, the... Uh, five main methods to engage with spirits um, awareness and recognition and so if you as an individual and we're speaking to a, a member of the audience now 
if you are skeptical and close-minded uh, and don't want to entertain the idea that there, there's a maybe involved, then you're probably going to shut yourself down from having an experience. It's almost as if you put a sign on the outside of your front door saying, stay away. And so, therefore, the neighborhood does, and you don't have any visitors. Nobody comes or, in. or you experience something like, like Shermer did, which happened, you know, one of the pivotal moments in life, a marriage, a birth, a death. Right. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, if that's probably what happens to people who uh, are uh, skeptical like that. They have some kind of uh, synchronicity uh, experience related to uh, a lost loved one, and then... They, but then, do they? They think, can I make really make contact? Is that really true? But they don't go any further than that because they really don't recognize that uh, the contact is possible, and they don't give it give it the awareness necessary to pursue it. Trish and Rob, we talked in our past program on on March tenth about synchronicity, and and um, I think we brought this up on that show, but. It's been my sense that when one begins to recognize synchronicity in their lives, um, things happening, events that have more than a casual coincidence that can't be explained prosaically and naturally, when one starts to recognize that, that these either have happened and or are happening, it's almost as if the phenomena says, Okay, now you're listening. We're going to send you some more of them. Exactly. Right. Yeah, I mean, once you start experiencing synchronicity and recognize it as a message or as confirmation or a warning or whatever, um, then they tend to happen more frequently. When we're writing these books on synchronicity, I mean, they were just happening all the time to us. And I remember one person contacting me and saying very seriously that he had two synchronicities in his life, and he was playing a great detail going on at length. And I'm thinking, the two in your life, you know, he, uh, the, you know, I, I probably had two in the last hour. <laughs> and I kind of feel sorry for people who only have two synchronicities in their lives. They're really missing something. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, I've been very interested, and in, you have a, a great chapter here on, on how uh, we can program dreams and or interact through our dreams with our with our departed loved ones i've been interested in the the uh, uh, unconscious and uh, the dream state for for a long time and i have friends that say i never dream and they look at me and shrug their shoulders and i'm thinking to myself well guess what clinically that's not true cuz you're not remembering your dreams and there's right. a, there's a number of reasons why you're not remembering the dreams but yeah you're dreaming every night well also dreams are the most common method for spirit communication that's where either it begins or where it happens frequently mm-hmm. yeah that's the that's the easiest way of making contact uh in my own experiences, like a, a cousin of mine who had died of, uh, of brain cancer, I I God was not in contact with him very closely. I wasn't real close to him, but I heard through my sister that he was very ill, and uh, that I woke up 
or I didn't wake up. I had a very lucid dream, which he appeared to me, and he seemed, uh, rather than being sick, he was very healthy. And he just smiled and looked at me and says, what's happening? Uh, 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 and then just vanished. And the next morning, my sister called and said uh, that John had died. You know, we, we have those experiences that uh, if one is, is conscious and awake, uh, you step back from and you, you marvel at that. And it helps, again, to uh, the experience supports one's desire to remain open to a larger reality and to a much more wonder-filled life. I go back to what Trish said you know, minutes ago, Rob, that um, without these experiences as being part of our lives, wouldn't they be drab and mundane and just so ordinary? And, yeah, I mean, they, synchronicity really makes you aware that there's an underlying reality where we're all connected. Mm-hmm. And uh, oftentimes when these uh, spirit uh, beings contact us in a dream, it's not this scary zombie uh, sort of thing at all. It's, they, they seem actually very healthy, very much alive. Uh, I had another one where a friend of mine from high school that I had lost contact with for years, and he suddenly appeared uh, to me, and he had to, he always had this dry humor, and when he appeared to me, he just kind of deadpan looked at me and said, I'm dead now, <laughs> and then vanished. <laughs> and I had found out uh, a synchronicity just from a, an old friend who uh, who said he, that he had died in a car accident. <laughs> uh, there was also... Had, Go ahead. Uh, I was just going to say, I had a similar experience back in college. Well, actually, it's a couple of years after I graduated. And this friend of mine who lived in Washington, D.C., and his nickname was D.C. So one night I dreamed that he and I met on a hill. And we were talking, you know, about different people we knew. And, and he kind of looked at me and goes, well, Trish, he says, I need to get going. Next day I found out he'd been killed in a car accident. Oh, God bless him. Their message is that... You know, they're, they're, they're doing fine and uh, not to worry. And uh, you often wake up from these dreams just, you know, feeling uh, revitalized and cheered and, you know, carry a sense of uh, w- warmth and, and wonder into your day because you had made that contact. Mm-hmm. Real. Uh, during a trip with another couple uh, and my ex-wife, I visited the Medicine Wheel, Wyoming, and drove up to this peak of this butte uh, on a, uh, back then it was a graveled road, um, and it was one of those backcountry roads that if you if you met a car, you had to figure out who was going to squeeze <laughs> over, and, and uh, so I, we drove up to the top of that and got out, and we walked the top of the mesa, they had the uh, medicine wheel uh, enclosed in a cyclone fence to keep people from taking parts of it. And, and so a lot of people from a parking lot area would park their cars, get up, walk up to the fence, look, take pictures, and then get back in their car and drive away. But we walked the top of that butte and found um, multiple smaller medicine wheels that were currently in use. 
uh, and we found an outcropping of rock that was kind of away from the parking lot and decided that this would be a good place just to uh, kind of put our backs against these big boulders and look across this incredible vista where you could see for 30 or 40 miles uh, and just to become quiet, kind of spend time there. And so we, the four of us sat down and put our backs against this huge boulder and closed our eyes. And almost immediately, there was a, a vibratory hum that arose. And I thought to myself, um, apparently I wasn't aware of this walking around conscious awake, but there's, there's got to be a reason for this. There's got to be an electrical substation. There's got to be some sort of a power. You know, we're picking up kind of a, a hum from something. And so uh, after we were done with this period of just sitting quietly with our eyes closed, uh, I got up and I walked the whole top of that trying to find the source for that. And it was like um, some people talk about the Taos hum and other legendary uh, vibrations or hums that, that I experienced that in that stepping away from busy and opening up to the quiet. Once I recognized that it was there, when I came back to conscious awake, walking around reality, I could still tune into that. It was still there. It had receded in the back of my consciousness, but it was still there. And I couldn't, uh, Robin Trish, I couldn't find a source for that. You know, the nearest mesa across this huge expanse uh, was maybe um, five to ten miles. I could wow. see a, I could see a building over there, but there was nothing up there, and there was no car that was idling. There was no um, no reason that I should pick up on that, but it was there. I think it's great that you went and investigated. <laughs> Did uh, other people hear it as well? Uh, that, that, that's interesting. I, I, as I've told the story this morning, I've been trying to think back, and I know that I brought it up to my ex-wife and the, the other couple that we were with, and I don't remember if they responded if, in the affirm, affirmative or not. I don't remember that. Well, it sounds like hmm. a power, uh, definitely in a power place with all of these medicine wheels. And oh, yes. Tuning into uh, the vibrations, the energy there. And the original purpose of uh, these medicine wheels, uh, you know, scientifically, anthropologically, remains a mystery, but it's, uh, it, you know, it's, it's not that, though, that they served as a physical manifestation of spiritual energy. And that's uh, seemingly what you were tuning into. And uh, and I think they were used where uh, shamans held uh, healing ceremonies. Yes. And, you know, indigenous uh, traditions uh, have you know, continued carrying on medicine wheel healing and uh, been adapted, of course, by the, the uh, Neil shaman. <laughs> Uh, Rob and Trish, we need to take a, a break here, and we'll be right back shortly. When we come back, um, let's imagine that one of our audience has read your book, and they've had contact. Now let's talk about, quote-unquote, now what do we do? <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's, a good, that's a good conversation. <laughs> we'll be back with Trish and Rob McGregor. 
They were the authors of many, many books, including this brand new one, Secrets of Spirit Communication, Techniques for Tuning In and Making Contact. A good website would be blog.synchrosecrets.com. And if you looked for Trish and or Rob McGregor, M-A-C, capital G-R-E-G-O-R, using your favorite search engine, you're going to have them pop right up. I'm Scott Colborn. Uh, Jim and Colleen, are you enjoying the show? Oh, tremendously. Yep. Colleen, when we come back also, Mm -hmm. uh, we've got just a little bit of time before we end the program today. Mm -hmm. Uh, Could you also interact a little bit with um, uh, Rob and Trish, maybe talk about some of the Native American signs and symbols that you're aware of? Mm, All right. Yeah, just do what you can. Okay. We'll be right back with more conversation with our special guests, Rob and Trish McGregor, with Jim, Colleen, and you guys and gals out there. We are exploring unexplained phenomena. Voice of the Blues in Lincoln, Nebraska, KZUM Lincoln and KZUM HD. Support for This Week in Lincoln comes from the Bay, the Bourbon Theater, Duffy's Tavern, and the Zoo Bar. This is live music happening this week in Lincoln. Saturday, November 24th brings Chad Prather to the Bourbon Theater at 8. And Big Daddy Caleb and the Chargers start at 6 at the Zoo Bar, followed at 9 by Thirst Things First, Pierre Brown, and Jason Steady and the Hit Kids. That's all happening this week in Lincoln. Far from the din of commercial culture and just this side of the abstract is a place I call Mesoterra. I'm Vic Valverde, your tour guide for an eclectic musical excursion on a program called Mesoterra. Saturdays, 12 noon until 1.30, right here on KZUM. Scott Colborn with Exploring Unexplained Phenomena. Next week's guest is Nomar Slevik. And the book is Otherworldly Encounters, Evidence of UFO Sightings and Abductions. We're talking with Rob and Trish McGregor this morning, and I posed the question right before the break that one of you guys and gals out there in the audience, um, having read this book, Secrets of Spirit Communication, actually has contact. And the question is, now what do you do? I have a story for this one. Um, a friend of mine is a Colombian woman who, when she was three or four years old, started experiencing uh, contact with her grandmother, who was recently deceased at the time. And her, her grandmother would come into a room, sit at the edge of her foot of her bed, and they would converse. You know, I mean, she would look amorphous, and like smoke, sort of a translucent form. And she would sing to Lainey. Well, Lainey, as a kid, told her Catholic parents, who became incredibly concerned that, and fearful 
So they contacted a priest who performed an exorcism in the home and also on Laney. So now she's a 41-year-old mother of two, and she's like the outlier in her family Mm -hmm. because these experiences for her continue. But now the difference is that she welcomes them. She embraces them. Yeah, so I think what Trisha is getting at there with that story is that how you react is uh, you need to consider the surrounding circumstances in your life, the loved ones around you. How are they going to respond? How, if you want to tell them, tell them you want uh, you want to do it in a way that's not going to freak them out, not going to think that you're crazy. You know, I guess that or that you're possessed or right. So that that's uh, that's part of the the issue of uh, coming out as a uh, spirit contact person. I mean, for years, Rob and I would have these experiences and not talk to anybody because we figured nobody else would believe us. <laughs> so then we just started writing about it and started our blog and collected stories. And every time we meet somebody who mentions that their husband or wife or father or mother died, we immediately ask if you had any contact, and they. And Evely looked surprised at us and said, yes, and tell us the story. So it's interesting, but they're, but people are startled to hear somebody ask that question. And a lot of times they're afraid to talk about it, but if you, if you ask, they'll open up. Yeah, I've asked groups of people. I've said, um, uh, who has seen a ghost or a spirit? And people kind of look around at each other and a few <laughs> kind of raise their hands even though um, the statistic is about 24% of American adults. Uh, And then I say, um, who has uh, smelled a ghost? Who smelled a spirit? Mm -hmm. And that sounds really strange, but think about grandmother's chocolate chip cookies. Think about grandpa's distinctive cologne or aftershave Uh or his pipe or cigar smoke. So now a few more hands go up. Um, Who has... uh, who has heard a ghost or a spirit or who has heard their name called in an empty room with nobody around them. And now a few people raise their hands and who's been uh, touched uh, by a ghost or touched by an angel Uh, who has sensed the presence because our senses are very vital and, and they're significant who sensed the presence of somebody around them that you may not be able to identify, but you've sensed that. So now I've got a whole bunch of hands up in the room where we just started with just a few people kind of looking around the saying, well, I don't know if I want to admit to this or not. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that statistic of 24% is actually a lot higher. I, I would agree with you. Mm-hmm. Colleen, can you interact with, uh, with us here? Mm-hmm. Uh, this Robin Trish, this is Colleen Newholly. And uh, <laughs> Colleen... Uh, <clears throat> what do you recognize as being, for example, signs or things that are significant that you've got a departed loved one that is is present? Hmm. That would that would kind of depend on the context and kind of I guess you could say like the the time of year. Hmm. Um, a lot a lot of times, uh, traditionally, it's always been. Um, like things like butterflies that appear. And what um, tradition are you speaking of now? What? Well, uh, the, uh, like I grew up with the Omaha tradition a lot of times, mm-hmm. and 
And with the Lakotas, the Lakotas, it's more like, well, they're going to be birds, usually usually mm. things like hawks or um, blue jays or, you know, some sort of... So birds as messengers, right? Yeah, birds as uh-huh. messengers. Mm-hmm. Um, but in the Omaha tradition, it's, it's usually small birds like swallows, mm-hmm. um, owl, butterflies, owls, yeah, butterflies. And sometimes, um, I'm trying to remember what it was. And some, sometimes, I think it was like sometimes dogs would, hmm. they would cr- well, cry as, as we call right. them. You know, like, you know, they, they do that real howl, howl kind of, like that sad oh. howl kind of thing. And when, when, uh, whenever we heard a dog in our, Vicinity. I wouldn't say neighborhood because there's really like no houses that makes up neighborhoods <laughs> and on the reservation usually. So it's kind of weird saying neighborhood for me. So like whenever we were at our grandmother's house and one of the neighbor's dogs, you know, half a mile down the road or so uh-huh. would howl like that. And she would say, well, we'll just wait for the phone call then. And usually within the hour or so, you know, they'd say, well, somebody... Mm-hmm passed away, whether that was by accident or, you know, because they're sick or, you know, something would happen. And, mm-hmm. you know, they would tell my grandmother because my grandmother was a pretty significant part of the community. And the other part of it is um, smells. You know, mm-hmm. sometimes, you know, like like with my um, my grandfather, you know, he'd, he'd smell like cigarette smoke because cause he was smoking when he was, you know, mm-hmm. alive. And and sometimes um, and sometimes you'd hear noises, you know, like something, you know, something be moved around or shifted, you know, like pieces of paper, or, or you know, like right now we have this spirit in our house that makes crinkling noises. You kind of kind of like how plastic sounds when, you know, uh-huh. plastic wrappers, you know, like that right. noise. That's pretty cool. And it makes noise when it when it comes into the room. And my mom's like, oh, there it is again hi hello you know good evening and then sometimes that you know move things around on her desk but you know they're just usually receipts that are just sitting there <laughs> colleen well, i had a, cool. <clears throat> i had a friend years ago that uh, she unfortunately lost a, a daughter very early mm-hmm. and she associated um contact with her daughter with butterflies mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and developed a series of of uh, events that were just phenomenal Mm-hmm. Uh, including one time that she was driving her small truck <clears throat> and in traffic, mm-hmm. uh, stopped at a stoplight, and suddenly um, she thought of her departed daughter mm-hmm. and her love for her, and suddenly the whole front, uh, the window shield, the whole front of this truck is covered in butterflies. Wow. She has a hard mm. time <clears throat> going when the light turns green because there's butterflies all over the window, and all over the the front of the truck. Mm-hmm. Wow, that's kind of hard to do. <clears throat> let a skeptic tackle that one. Mm. <laughs> and yeah, I think animals yeah. are pretty common, especially birds. You know, like owls, because in in certain traditions, owls are considered to be the messenger between the living and the dead. Mm-hmm. Also, white feathers, yeah, from the sky, seemingly from nowhere, landing in front of you as you're speaking with uh, about uh, a past. Uh, Loved one, a deceased loved one. Uh, we've got several stories about uh, white white feathers as symbols. 
Paula Harris that was on earlier uh, talked in her segment about experiencing uh, uh, colleagues as well as herself with feathers. Mm. Um, Were they white feathers? She, yeah, she was wearing a, actually a, a, a T-shirt that she had forgotten that there was a symbol on the T-shirt of a feather. As she's mm. talking to one of her colleagues who starts talking about his experiences with a sign that comes through feathers. Uh, the, the, uh, um, the interesting part about this, again, is that we, we have these ways of communication that if we are open to them, they contain a richness that fills out our existence and reminds us again of a, a larger reality. Uh, and I, Colleen, thank you for sharing what you did mm-hmm. there. Uh, I think it's important to understand that there are people in the world that have been raised in that tradition of being aware of, of these mm-hmm. signs around them. Yeah. Um, and that's mm-hmm. one of the things that we hope to do on the program here mm-hmm. is to make people comfortable with the idea that, uh, um, that our loved ones do reach out, that we can, in fact, turn that around and we can reach out to them as well. Yep. And I also want to remind people that... Um, it's all, it's also very rare that you're going to find um, some, some native people who know the, these type of things because unfortunately <coughs> we've, um, the majority of you know my tribal members have been Catholicized so a lot of them see these signs as you know the signs of evil. you know signs of evil yeah you know they'll say yeah. that we don't we don't go to you know the medicine people because you know they're they worship the devil or some such thing. Yeah, that's a shame. Mm-hmm. It's a real... Yeah. yeah. And, 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 that's, and that's why when, you know, when I think about this a lot of times, I consider myself lucky because, you know, you know that I, I consider myself lucky because the, the Catholic missionaries didn't mm-hmm. work on my dad. So, <laughs> and my dad was also a major contributor to my life, my life as well. God and, bless you. Mm-hmm. And and that's just one thing I you know I want people to keep in mind as well as you know, you you can ask native people about traditions, but a lot of times people won't know because of the colonialism that has has occurred. Mm-hmm. That's awful. I mean, that, that's like eradicating part of your heritage. Mm-hmm. Uh, Trish and uh, Rob, we are out of time here, so I'd like to turn the microphone over to you for the. The next 60 seconds and have you speak from your hearts to my audience okay well, I'd just like to finish by saying that uh, spirit contact has synchronicity these meaningful coincidences coincidence that happened to us uh, they real reveal a reality of a greater consciousness in which everyone and everything alive and in spirit are interconnected synchronicity really is the language of the dead. It's the kind of alchemy that transforms us, and I think that's one of the major messages of her book. And I don't have anything to add to that. <laughs> that's exactly true. <laughs> yeah, well said, well said. Um, thank you very much, Trish and Rob, for being with thank us you, on Scott. this holiday weekend. I sure appreciate that. And my, my best to your daughter, and uh, I hope that your good work continues for both of you. Thanks so much. Thank you, Scott. I know. Take care. Rob and Trish McGregor, you'll find them easily. Their last name is M-A-C, capital G-R-E-G-O-R. Uh, your favorite search engine. 
Synchrosecrets.com and blog.synchrosecrets.com are two ways to find Trish and Rob McGregor. The brand new book with that cover that you love to touch is Secrets of Spirit Communication, Techniques for Tuning In and Making Contact. Uh, Jim and Colleen, thank you so much for being here. Oh, you're welcome. On this Thanksgiving weekend. Very interesting show today. Thanks. <laughs> yeah, and I give thanks for you both and your involvement here and and uh, how you uh, help the program so much. It's the best job I've ever had that I don't get paid for. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 really nice to be able to contribute. So. And talk to these interesting people we have on every week. Mm-hmm. Well, that's a great segue. Speaking of, next week we've got Nomar Slevik. Otherworldly Encounters, yeah. Evidence of UFO Sightings and Abductions. Say that name three times real fast. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I will intend to ask Mr. Slavik about wow. that. Uh, we've got a bunch of great shows. We're now booking shows in March of 2019. It's great knowing that you're out there. Uh, October 27th, we celebrated 34 years of broadcast. And we want to thank you very, very much for your support of uh, our work and you can listen live every Saturday morning from 10 o'clock till 12 noon Central Time. You can also listen uh, to the free archives at kzum.org slash EUP. Stay tuned for Vic and Mesoterra. He's coming up next, and we'll go out with some more Enigma. Thanks so much for being here, and until next week, I'm Scott Colborn, Walking Beauty.